You're listening to episode 35, The Curiosity Mashup. This episode is powered by Rogue Water, the public communication company founded by yours truly, the H2 Duo. Hi, this is Tom Ferguson, VP of Programming for Imagine H2O. This is the podcast that is revolutionizing the way the water industry communicates with the public. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 Duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Imagine if every single one of them was becoming 15% smarter a year. Every wow. single one of them, on 100, across 100 people, getting 15% smarter a year. And then the next year, getting 15% smarter again. You're then getting 15% smarter on a larger number. And so knowledge really does compound. And so the power of becoming kind of a learning organization is absolutely enormous. Irish poet James Stevens said, curiosity will conquer fear even more than bravery will. This week's mashup theme is our core value of curiosity. In episode 11, Tom Ferguson, program director for the Imagine H2O Accelerator Program, discussed with us why curiosity is one of an organization's seven superpowers. Imagine if your employees were empowered to become 15% smarter each year, knowing that knowledge compounds over time. In episode 30, we spoke with New York Times bestseller John Acuff, and he told us about the career savings account from his book, Do Over. He tells us why your job title doesn't inhibit your ability to grow. And finally, in episode 23, Greg Lukash, external affairs manager at the San Antonio Water System, drives home how curiosity inspires the courage necessary to be an effective leader. So without further ado, let's get to the show. It's actually learning, but to me, in order to learn, you have to begin with curiosity. And curiosity is actually one of our core values, and we see it as always learning, always improving. So why is learning one of your superpowers? Um, so for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, like we, we, don't see as learning, we don't see learning ever as kind of part of our job. We think it's something that's like passively you know, happens to us. Like we, we will learn how to do mix panel or get good at social media. We will understand how to do, you know, Google keywords or, or whatever it is that we'll learn the kind of function of our job. And that is what we're, that is, that, that is kind of the learning that we need to do. We do some reading in our spare time, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> like really effective, really effective organizations. I just don't like you have, you have people within your organization. Imagine if every single one of them, was becoming 15% smarter a year. Oh, wow. Every single one of them. On 100, across 100 people, getting 15% smarter a year. And then the next year, getting 15% smarter again. You're then getting 15% smarter on a larger number. And so knowledge really does compound. Yeah. And so the power of becoming kind of a learning organization is absolutely enormous um you know the most extreme example uh of uh of this um you know oh well it, it is kind of learning but google's like has a day a week where people can go and do side projects like wh whatever it is it doesn't have to be um uh it doesn't have to be anything to do with kind of you know google's core mission it's just whatever it is that you want to do they're encouraging people to go and explore their curiosity and creativity because they know that the best way to learn is to go and do practical stuff where you can fail and fail quickly and iterate. And then they can bring that knowledge back into their core job in the organization. Um, and who knows where that's going to, who knows where that's going to, um, uh, you know, benefit, um, you know, some other team kind of within the organization. Like, but it's this idea of, of improvement 
like within the people who are part of the organization, that making sure that there is forward momentum, like conscious forward momentum in terms of that improvement. Like no one ever likes to hear someone say, my dad likes to say, but my dad likes to say, <laughs> it's hard to steer a stationary bicycle. And it's always kind of stuck with me, is that like that forward momentum, what, on whatever it is, is like that co like constant improvement is really, really, really important. And I like in terms of learning, I really don't care like what it is. Like it could be kind of medieval history or video games or bird watching, like stenography, personal finance, woodwork, whatever. Like, <laughs> like when I was 17, this like slight, he's, he's an author now, um, but he, he was a very odd guy. Oh, I can actually see one of his books right now. Um, He's a slightly odd guy, um, and he just decided to give a talk on comic books. Um, and he got like, you know, he was sort of put up a couple of signs around the school, and seven of us turned up or something. And he took us through like the way in which he thought about this comic book Watchmen, um, uh, which was what well, times, what well, times, um, you know, one top one hundred books of the the twentieth century, um, and it absolutely fundamentally changed what I thought as literature, and made me really examine my like assumptions around kind of graphic novels as a secondary source of literature. I I don't read graphic novels; it didn't like get me into them but it gave me a kind of a renewed respect for an alternative medium that I may not be into, but actually has enormous worth as, um, uh, you know, as a piece of literature, as information transfer, as art, right? And so like what that like brought to me was that there is no gathering about a specific topic like too small. And one of the beauties of the internet is that you can always find people that, have, that, share, a, um, that share a common uh, idea. But within kind of an organization, like you do, I think you just wanna make sure that you and your teams are following their, 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 are following their own curiosity, like literally whatever it is. Um, getting them to, like, to read about it and then hopefully take action on it um, and then encourage them to speak about it. Like get people to start book groups. Like, you know, even if it's just you and one other person to start with, you yeah. know, like, do those weird talks that like few people come to. Like, <laughs> because people will always be like, oh, what's going on over there? And then they'll sit in. And if you're, do if you're talking about something that you are truly interested in and jazzed about, people get that. They get it communicated to them and it's fun right and people flock to things that are fun so doing those weird talks that like few people come to come to is that once people like see that's that, every conversation me and arianne have together is like a weird okay. talk that people like come to and then they're like right. oh, i think this whole <laughs> communication and water thing yeah 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 no it's but it's but you guys are really fun right and it's it's like it's it's important <laughs> Um, it's not it's more than important it's absolutely vital and once people do that they'll start doing it by themselves right and as they do it by themselves they'll improve farther and faster than you ever thought possible and then you get that compounding effect of everybody getting better within an organization and everybody having more fun in an organization and the more fun people are having within an organization the less likely they are to leave and everybody knows that one of the worst things that can happen you know to an organization especially a small one is is people go and take their take their um their knowledge and and presence with them obviously sometimes that's a positive um but more more, <laughs> more often than not you know that is something that you don't want to, to happen so giving people room lebron to, james uh, take your talents elsewhere right 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 exactly so the, yeah the more that you can get people to yeah learn, lebron more, bro They've got LeBron. You want, yeah, every organization should aspire to be the LeBron James of organizational learning. <laughs> right? 
Yeah, so that's the, that's the last one. And when you kind of take them together, like I really think that if you can get all of these plates, plates spinning at the, at the time and the kind of revisit this stuff on, you know, maybe even kind of a quarterly basis and making sure that you are kind of into integrating it into the way in which you think about your organization uh, or organizational element, no matter how big or small, like I just think that there are kind of wild advantages um, of taking them all together. It's hard. Like it all sounds simple. It's really hard. Um, but we th- but this is what we've seen from the the companies that do that do the best. And just a couple things, a couple of quick points that came to mind while you were talking is you know talking about the idea of learning. Yes, like one hundred percent, it's your responsibility to pour into yourself. But also, like there's other people that you can lean on and bring into, and don't think that you have to be the expert at everything. And so that's really why for Catalyst, we didn't call it a conference. We called it a mastermind group because we wanted people to know that they could lean on the expertise of others. Like if there is something that you're curious in, go explore that, learn more about it, get excited about it. But also, don't feel I'm, obligated to. I'm never going to be an expert in branding the way that Duke Greenhill is, who was one of our speakers. And so if I have something about branding, I'm going to go to him and I'm going to ask him as part of like a mastermind group. Or if I want to talk to somebody um, about innovation and what's going on in water tech around the world and who's going to blow our minds about seven superpowers, then I'm going to call it Tom Ferguson, you know? So like there doesn't need to be like, you don't need to do it all on your own. You can lean on no your fellow water nerds yeah Um, and i also love how you talked about how the watchman and how it didn't get you into graphic novels but it taught you something that you were able to take and apply in your own way and megan u schneider in a conversation after day one was over was talking about how as water educators we need to stop feeling like we need to um proselytize because we're not trying we don't necessarily need to convert everyone to be like we are we just need them to gain a value of water in their own context and be able to take that and spread that to a new audience or um, their own neighbors or their own friends like no one is ever going to love water the way that we do and that's fine but we just need them to see the value in it in their own lives in their own places and if we have water nerds in marketing and if we have water nerds in tech and if we have water nerds in finance i mean that's amazing not everyone has to march to the same drum you know just be one and we can all just make a beautiful jazz yeah 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 exactly no you you can't ask too much of these too much of these things but like you know even you know moving the ball down the field kind of even slightly can make an absolutely enormous difference i completely agree with that shifting gears a little bit on the book jacket of your book do-over uh you have a awesome testimonial from Seth Godin, who is actually another one of our heroes who talks about, or who says that that book is the best career book ever written. I read it, have to say, hashtag agreed. Um, But I loved the career savings account that you talk about in that book because it falls right in line with what something our mentor, um, whose name is Greg Wukash says, which is self-lead, self-feed. So the whole idea being that You can't wait for others to pour into you or to cultivate you into a leader. And a lot of times for people in our industry who are water educators and communicators, which 
we used to be when we worked for public, public utilities, there's like nowhere to go once you're on that career path. There's not like senior water educator. You're just there because you're 100% passionate about what you're doing and that's what you do. So how can they use the career savings account to keep that spark alive in their career? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that every career is a process of reinvention. Um, I think that most people, and it might be, depending on your industry, it might happen faster than other industries, but I think every year you're trying to reinvent yourself. Even as you stay at the same company, yeah. you're trying to say, how do I stay engaged? How do I stay passionate? How do I stay learning? Because I think when, like, when boredom sets in is when bitterness comes behind it or entitlement or you don't work as hard as you did when you started. So the career savings account has four parts. It's um, skills, character, hustle, and relationships. And, and my big thing there is how are you actively pouring into those things? So even if you said to me, okay, there's nowhere else to go. I've reached the top of this ladder in this industry. I would say, okay, are there things on the side of that level you can build? Mm-hmm. Like a podcast about this, like, a, you know, a business about this. Are there relationships? Even if you feel stuck at the company, I guarantee there's other people that you could communicate with. If I was in public works and said, you know what, there's not a senior super duper water level person, I would say, well, other people around the country are thinking that same thing. Start a blog for those people. Like Ah. build a network, build a community. And so you wouldn't have to change your job from that, but it would be very satisfying for you to get to share some of your expertise, but also learn from other people and go, wow, you know, the challenges you have in Nashville are different than the water challenges we have in California, but there's overlap. And we, at, at the bare minimum, we can commiserate. At the yeah. bare minimum, we can say, I feel like I'm the only one who cares about this. And it's really hard. And it would be encouraging if blank and the person go, I know that same thing. It happened to me too. You know, I think, and that could be as simple as a blog. It could be a private Facebook group. Mm-hmm. You could say, Hey, I, there's only going to be 20 of us in here because it's a small industry but it'll be the right 20 and it'll be valuable. So I'm, I'm going to do the work of raising my flag. We're starting a private Facebook group. It's just for people who work in public uh, water who's in. And then like the worst thing that happens is you get to know everybody else at at the other locations and you get to network. Like I, it kills me when people go, why should I try to grow my LinkedIn, you know, following and connections. And I always go, well, I don't know a situation where knowing less people was better. I don't, But now I really want to jump into the leadership summit that you went to. Maybe if you want to give us just a little background on that. But the biggest things that I want to do are um, kind of your biggest aha moments, what you really took away from it. um, And then also maybe not something from this conference because you just went to it, but you're really good at and we have tried to emulate your ability to take an idea from a conference, a presentation, a book, and actually implement it to actually change or improve something about you yourself or a process that you have at work. And so I'd like to kind of end on that. But if you want to just kind of give us a peek into what that leadership summit's all about, and then um, your biggest takeaways that we know you have in that awesome journal of yours. (laughs) Um, it's funny. I think that all of the topics we're talking about today are in my mind when I was, when I was sitting here thinking about, uh, this conversation, they're all connected. I mean, I, I don't think that we talk about affordability, uh, if we don't talk about 
the global leadership summit that I just went to, if we don't talk about being in Washington, DC, right? It's all an outreach. It's all connected. And so that's how my brain works. It, it always tries to take all of the pieces and tries to put them into some kind of way that I can process it uh, to, to make it usable. Uh, because if it's not, then it's just all theoretical and uh, theory doesn't, doesn't usually cut it all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I would, I would say that for me with, with summit this year, um, I don't know that there was really any aha moment for me this year, but I, but I will say again, that the timing was really great because the two things that I sort of took away from this year was uh, the first topic was really courage to lead. And, uh, and, and there were sort of two points there that were pretty impactful. Um, it, it, uh, Simon Sinek actually was there and, oh. uh, yeah, he was there. Were you like, and, I'm the Simon <laughs> of Water? <laughs> no, I didn't you say didn't? that. But he, uh, <laughs> but he said something. It was, it was great. He, just, you know, he said it, it takes courage to say you believe in a cause bigger than yourself. Mm. And 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 I thought that was was really cool. And then one of those speakers, Carla Harris, with with Morgan Stanley, said, uh, "You must be comfortable taking risks. Uh, fear has no place in your success equation. It takes courage to be a leader." And so I, I, that was really timely for, for me because we're, as I mentioned a while ago, we're getting ready to launch this new initiative with affordability in October um, called Uplift. And, and it's, it's, um, it's something new and it, yeah. uh, and it's, it's pretty big. It's much bigger than, than me. It's much bigger than even our organization. And to be quite honest with you two, um, there's been plenty of times when I said to myself, things were going just things were going fine with our affordability group. Why did you have to come in and try to do something bigger? And, and I have almost lost the nerve at various times mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to want you know, to we really have lead that. Hundreds and hundreds of listeners. So you just said that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, ab absolutely. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I think we all have to look at ourselves in the mirror and be honest about the fact that, that sometimes we just, we start doubting, yeah, we Ooh. start doubting, right? Yeah, and so because yeah, well, we're human, and so the second point then was uh, was it kind of connected to that was not being afraid to make mistakes. And mm -hmm. uh, Danny Meyer, who uh, is a restaurateur and works for the, he's the CFO of the Union Square Hospitality Group. He said, and I don't know that he he made this up, but he said the the road to success is paved with mistakes well handled. Ooh. And again, that that hit me because I think at Summit this year, they really um, discussed the idea of it's okay to make mistakes. Yes. Uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Have the courage to lead. Have the courage to lead with the idea that you might make mistakes, but handle them well when you do. Yeah. And, uh, and that were, those were my two real big takeaways this year from Leadership Summit that, like I said, immediately connects me to outreach and the affordability group mm -hmm. and everything that's going on right now. And so that's my, uh, that's how I'm going to uh, take away sort of what I learned and make it practical and what we're actually doing right now. Well, we're human and no one is perfect. And so I don't understand why for some reason in the work world, we kind of feel like we can't ever make mistakes. I feel like we're kind of destined to at some point along the way, but I, you know, I think also to go hand in hand with that is that you have to have the courage to, be accountable to those mistakes and to own up to them and to admit when you're wrong and say, well, you know, we got to move forward from this and 
you know, we're going to try and not do that again because we're going to learn from it and not repeat it. So uh, it's really hard to admit to that. And it's mm-hmm. really hard mm-hmm. to own up to that. Especially in our industry. Yes. Uh, yeah. Especially in, 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 well, in, an, in industry. an industry where you, you can't afford to have mistakes, you know, public health is at stake. Um, but you know, not every mistake that happens in utility is directly as a life or death mistake. Some yeah, of them are just something that we're going to have to start reframing um, our thinking is not. Yes, there are certain aspects that are life and death, but not every decision needs <laughs> analysis, paralysis and fear and death by committee, death by committee. and like yeah, yeah. there's maybe like put those few things that can happen in, you know, life or death, like put them up where you can see them, but know that the rest of your job, the rest of your, you know, goals don't end in death. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, it's true. I mean, but, but see, that's the point, right? I mean, I, and I, I'm, I could be wrong, but I think that's one of the reasons why it's death by committee is because we're afraid to make the hard call. Oh yeah, we're, we're we're we need to surround ourselves with a bunch of people that all sort of nod their heads so that later, mm-hmm. right, if things turn south, we can go well. The commit the committee or the group all decided this was the best course of action, and it's mm-hmm. and it's kind of an out. It's no, yeah, for um, sure, it's no one's yeah. responsibility at that point. Yep, yep. So give us, if you can, an example of when you've taken something from theory that you've learned and actually taken action to implement it into either the way you operate or into the way your team operates? Um, well, I, you know, I think probably the biggest example of that was, and I mentioned this at Catalyst, was either last year or the year before when, um, you know, I, I got the book um, that, that sort of uh, uh, kind of changed everything for me. Uh, a little bit about the four disciplines of execution. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of like, we have this whole framework, this whole plan, we have this whole why we have all of that, but how do we actually implement it? And, and the speaker that year, the author uh, of the four disciplines of execution, uh, it was, it was just perfect. It gave us a real good sense of how we could take that theory uh, I, I immediately went and, and, and bought his book. I think I mentioned it at Catalyst that I ran out, I think, before his talk was even completely mm-hmm. over uh, to get the book, and, and, and nobody was buying the book, right? I mean, the four disciplines of execution. This <laughs> seemed like an exciting thing to read. Uh, but that was the first book I read uh, after that summit that year, and then we've implemented it across mm-hmm. the board in, in all of our teams. Um, so that's that's huge. And then this year, I just think that I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the uh, the idea or the the theory of um, you know, courage to lead, and, and and I'm and I'm working on right now. Um, actually, I'm writing in my journal today, right before we started talking, about w- what what is that going to really mean for me as a leader for this group to to lead with courage moving forward in the midst of this transition of this new program, and then moving into some new initiatives uh, in into 2019. What are going to be the actual real steps for me to be able to to do that? Nice. Were there any books that really spoke to you did you run out and buy anything after this one i did i of course i always i always come back with two or three books uh, sitting on my desk right now i am reading one right now a little bit every day um and it's actually a book on called servant leadership in action and uh yep 
And uh, it's a really great compilation of a whole bunch of articles written by Simon Sinek's in there and a whole bunch of other people uh, writing about servant leadership and what it means and what it looks like. And it's a, it's a really excellent book. And so I decided to start with that one. And then I know we're, we're, we're giving Simon Sinek all this love today, but I actually bought his book, um, <laughs> Leaders Eat Last. And oh, so, yeah. 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 That's and so that'll be, the, that'll be the next book that I, I dive into after I finish this one on servant awesome. leadership. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really firing me up these days um, about how many conferences, summits, symposiums um, there are across the nation in our industry. And what we don't talk about enough is what you got from that and putting that into action. Yeah. You know, yeah. are yeah. you actually taking what you learned back to your staff and, mm. and breaking that down and talking about it? Are you having your staff that you just sent, you know, to these thousand dollar conferences, you know, come back and tell your, your entire staff about that? Are you putting anything into action? Or are you just going to conferences because you're allowed to go to conferences and you need, you know, CEUs, mm. you know, it's good. It's good. It's so fire me up. It's, mm-hmm. it's on my, Absolutely. it's I on mean, my, that's one thing we're passionate about. And what Arian is alluding to is that that's one thing that we would actually like to do is to help people take things from a theory that they learned at a conference or something like that and actually helping implement it into action into their organization. Cause I mean, we've, we've done that. Um, even though, you know, we obviously have learned a lot from you in terms of doing that, you know, like one of the regional programs that I helped spearhead was because my friend Dustin told me about this program that they were doing out in California and sent me their presentation. I think it was from WaterSmart and, um, I contacted them and found out what they did and how they did it. And they were even willing to come out and meet with, um, all of the the cities in the region up here and get it going and um, did it last forever? No, because I mean it was able to work easier there just because of the way that it the water world is set up there. Um, it's much more complicated with twenty different cities. We're also uh, yeah yeah we're all we're all the same volunteer pool too. Yeah, we're also <laughs> independent here, whereas like it was much more district led out west. But I mean, you know, like it was. It had a few good years and yeah. it was great success. I mean, yeah, it success doesn't have to sure. go on forever to be a success, but you know, it was uh, it was a success for a while. It lasted, and the point is the point is <laughs> that you, you can share from, these ideas yeah. and yeah. and that yeah. you can implement them into into what you're doing. So, um, well, it's incumbent upon us to do that, right? I mean, right. It, it's actually. I actually think it robs people. You're cutting out on when, us. When we have, the, oh, can you hear me? <laughs> I can now. You can hear me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, should I, let me start over. Yes. Um, I think it, it actually robs us. Uh, it, it robs others of the, of the opportunity when we get to go to these conferences and learn and read books and do all of that. And then we don't come back and share any of that information. We're sort of keeping it for ourselves. Right. Being hoarders. Uh, right, Knowledge right. hoarders. That's, that's right. And, Knowledge and again, hoarders. That's, 
that is, <laughs> are you going to get a t-shirt made with that on yeah. there? Brain, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. You're a brain hoarder. Yeah. Get out yeah. Of here. Yeah. You should do that. Get out of here I'll, with I'll your wording. But yeah, I mean, it, right, it robs other people. And that's not what a great leader does. A great leader um, is constantly uh, learning. And then a great leader is constantly sharing and trying to pour uh, into to those uh, around them to, mm-hmm. to, you know, the influence that they have. So, uh, yeah, it is incumbent upon to do that. And one of the speakers actually said, it's funny, said, uh, you know what some of you are going to do is you're just going to go out and register for next year's summit. That's <laughs> all you do. Every year you go out and register for the next year's summit. And you put your binder up on your shelf and you don't do anything with it. Yep. So it's true. Mm-hmm. It's what we do sometimes. Yep. That's sometimes I, mean, I can deal sometimes, but yeah, sometimes is all right. You know, sometimes you just want to go hang out, network your, with all your, your knowledge and hoard your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, we all get back to the whirlwind, but you get, we'll give you a sometimes, but majority of the time share that knowledge because maybe it's not you who's meant to implement that program. Maybe it's someone else who you tell about that program and maybe that fires them up and inspires them. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, um, I, Seth Godin, I'm signed up with his email. So I get his email every morning. That's one of the things that I do every morning. And his today really resonated with me. And it was about how when you're having a conversation or an interview, <laughs> mm-hmm. don't just make the questions uh, being about basically like surface level. It said kind of like make sure that your questions or your questions are more in a conversation to figure out, to figure out the dynamics or the roles or the resolution of tensions or things that can help change minds, uh, to move things forward. And his question that he ended with was, if you're not working to change minds, why are you here again? And I was like, Ooh. dang, Seth, Ooh. okay. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> so that impacted me so much this morning that I actually, I was like, I have to write this down and put it somewhere where I see all the time. So I wrote it down and I put it on a piece of paper that I hang up because that's, here we are sitting here interviewing people all the time. And, you know, I like to think that it's more than just, who are you? What are you doing? What is your name? But, you know, I want to make sure that. Straight voice. I did. I went straight voice. And, um. <laughs> I really, I want to make sure that we're digging deep and and getting people to share things that are going to help other people. We hope you enjoyed this mashup and tune in every Monday as we drop new mashups leading up to season two that drops on January 28th with the George Hawkins, aka the Bono of the water industry. So I have a few action items for you before we part ways today. Number one, if you haven't already, please make sure to sign up for our email newsletter by going to theh2duo.com. We want to keep in touch with you and email is really the best way for us to do that, especially to let you know about new episodes when they drop. Second, Please check us out on iTunes and rate and review the Water in Real Life podcast there. Third, please share, 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 share. We do sponsored ads, but it just means so much more when it comes directly from a friend. And finally, did you know that Ariane and I own a public communication company called Rogue Water? Yeah, this is our chance to work together, y'all. Check us out at roguewatergroup.com. And shoot us a message if you think there's a way that we can work together to do the work that matters. We hope you learned something new today, got a little different perspective, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goals. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. 